This week, our friend Josh Winters, Josh the RV nerd from Bish's RV, joins us to talk about the state of the RV industry, where we are with pricing, with delays, with backlogs, and a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who makes it easy and fun to simply step outside. That might mean breaking a speed record in a rugged, built-for-fun sonic snow tube, walking an extra block in a warm, weather-resistant down jacket, or just taking a breath on your doorstep before cozying up in a quilted sweatshirt. For however you experience the outdoors, shop clothing and gear at llbean.com. Be an outsider. Welcome to episode 231 of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who have been on the road since 2016, crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors from travel destinations, news, our national parks, and so much more. We're coming to you from the Jacksonville area, nice little campground steps away from the beach. Uh, We had a, a quick journey to get here yes from we were we left we were at the same campground for a month yes reagan's in, family campground in madison florida yes um, kind of not around a whole lot um but you know no. a pretty setting with uh, with oak trees and stuff but lots of bugs coming in you've all seen maybe the caterpillars <laughs> that we have posted about on our instagram <laughs> lots and lots of caterpillars uh, but there was that big storm that that swept through almost the whole half of the country was coming through. So we decided to get out a day early. We did. It was, I mean, Chicago was going to get three inches of rain. We were looking at another one to two inches of rain in the Madison area, which was already under a flash flood warning. And we were traveling with some friends who were a a little too close to water to want to hook up in the rain. So we all decided to kick out. We enjoyed a beautiful night in a Walmart parking lot and, then, and, and to be honest I was slightly actually honest worked out really it well. actually worked out really really well and then we are now here in a county park and I'll talk more about it in my fresh tank but boy it feels really good to be here doesn't it yeah well it feels good to not be under trees I have to say because you know obviously yeah. camping in trees is it's wonderful often but I went to clean the roof of our RV before we left a a day before we left and it was so gross covered in seed pods and branches and pollen and it took me a long time to clean it off and then the next day we're leaving the next day i go up again to just check to see if there's stuff on the slides completely covered again with like seed pods and spanish moss and it did it took literally took one night so we've um, traded all of that for palm trees. Yes, which is wonderful. Which is wonderful. It really, really is. So, so wonderful. And we're, we're, we like Florida. There's a lot to like about Florida. Most of what we like about Florida is along the coasts. Yes. And we've also come to decide that um, when we come back here next year, because we do kind of think we're going to be coming back for the Tampa RV show and a few other things, that... By about early March, it's going to be time to start getting out of here and going west. And that is because we have watched for the last month 
as the South has just been hit with storm after storm after storm. And we're not talking just like a rain shower here and there. We are talking severe weather. And so many RVers have been trapped in it. And it has been tornado producing. I mean, this one that came through that we were kind of trying to get east of, at one point was producing, I think they said, the possibility of up to 75 mile per hour winds. They were talking hurricane force winds. And, you know, as an RVer, that just starts to really wear on you after a while. The constant uh, worrying, am I going to need to leave? Do I need to be prepped to go? Should we go to a hotel? And so we think that this time of year, this is our second time now here. Yeah. This time of year, we need to be somewhere else. I think a lot of long-time snowbirds get that. It seemed as though people were were leaving sort of more towards early March. And also the bugs. I mean, those caterpillars showed up all, all on the same day, <laughs> pretty I... much, over the course of the same week. And the no and stuff. And so it, 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 it had we left Florida early March... We wouldn't have dealt with bugs either. Luckily, that campground was pretty well protected from wind, although we did have the incident yes. that we talked about uh, last week or the week before of the branch ripping a little hole in our awning. <sighs> we are very glad to be beach camping right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a big show. We have our friend Josh uh, Winters from Bishes on the show today. Josh is such a wealth of information, yes. shares all kinds of insider information and tours of RVs and, and lots of stuff on, on his YouTube channel and has for quite some time now. It's, it's such a wonderful resource for the RV buyer. He, he's very open and frank and honest as a dealer, which is so refreshing. And he's just a really good person too. And I, as a RVer and a consumer of content myself, always really enjoy when you and Josh talk. So I'm really glad that the two of you were able to get together. And it ended up being a much longer discussion than most of our interviews are. But I think that that's because the two of you just bring uh, such unique perspectives, but also such well-informed perspectives. Do you like how I'm complimenting oh, hey, you? I while get it I all from him. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Everything we know, we've learned from Josh. Uh, so since it is a longer interview, we'll jump into it right after a quick break from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV and the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector made by Hughes Autoformers beats the competition with field replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small affordable part you can replace yourself. They'll even give you a free surge module in the first two years and now have a limited lifetime warranty. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox has been designing and manufacturing some of the best towing products in the industry. Blue Ox is everywhere, highways, campgrounds, anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Blue Ox produces award-winning tow bars and base plates, plus a full line of weight distributing hitches and a new lineup of adjustable ball mounts. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. 
My guest today is our friend Josh Winters from Bish's RV. Now, Josh is better known as Josh the RV Nerd on YouTube and has a wonderful channel that shares lots of tours and tips and industry inside information from a dealer's perspective. And Josh used to be with a, an independent dealership that has now joined a medium-sized chain, I guess you'd say, Bish's RV. So he's got a much bigger job in charge of like lots of video content for for Bish's and he has lots more inside information now that he has access to a whole dealership network. Josh, how you doing? Buddy, if I was any better, I'd have that beautiful beard of yours. <laughs> well, I, I, I do love that perfectly trim goatee, I will say. <laughs> well, it's good because it's all I can grow because this is a this is a patchy wasteland this is a good old uh you know monster truck neck beard um i uh and if if this hair grows back here and hits my neck it's going to become an alabama wavy mullet although with with my five head that would be a skullet so <laughs> josh is josh is also very funny uh <laughs> I am. well it's an acquired taste you know it's it's <laughs> not for everybody uh josh you have been following all of the trends about what's going on in the RV industry, uh, but especially through the pandemic until now where we've had this crazy boom in RV sales and we had at the same time manufacturers shut down due to COVID and difficulty getting parts and supplies. And that seemed to continue much, much longer, uh, both sides of that, the sales and the issues getting RVs built uh, seemed to go on much longer than people thought they would where we are now with the sort of pandemic you know on fumes but winding down where do you see that we are in the rv industry right now yeah no you're definitely spot on in that it went on a lot longer than everybody realized um i you know i'm on record i flat pegged that one wrong um last january I was predicting a little bit more of what this year was. So I was like a total year off, or maybe I was just ahead of my time. I don't know, <laughs> but um, we'll go with that. The uh, My wife will tell you I was just wrong. Um, so yeah, we went through this period where just demand just shot up exponentially. And the trick is with the infrastructure of this industry, you can only crank production up to a certain level. But the problem is demand just way, way exceeded that. And you saw that reflected by the empty, barren wasteland that was many dealers' lots last year. Um, now, there were quite a few people who responded to my own little reports on this saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Every dealer I drive by in this major metropolitan zone is packed with inventory. What we really saw and what I wasn't able to see as an independent store at the time was your bigger groups, they meant more to the manufacturers and they were a higher priority in getting fed for lack of an expl a better explanation. And the smaller independent stores, even one that was uh, a popular, well-established place, just wasn't, they, they just weren't the, the, the big thing keeping a manufacturer running. And I'm not, I'm not condemning any manufacturers. That's a whole different thing. There's, you know, that's just economics and I get it. You know, if I was in their situation, would I do anything different? I don't know. I'm not in that situation, so I can't really say. But now kind of on the flip side of this, like you said, um, Bish is where I think medium-sized uh, group is a good way to phrase it. Um, we are still family-owned, which I like. You know, we're not a publicly traded entity, which still allows us to have people like me on here. Um, really, my job is almost to be 
as much of an educator as as it is a consumer advocate, even within the company, because I get so much of that direct um, customer input. And they like, what are people really thinking? What are they feeling? You know, how can we do this with integrity? Those are the big cornerstones of the company. But um, being in a bigger group now, overnight, because uh, Halid RV became Bish's RV, where I call home um, in January of this year of 2022, overnight, all of a sudden, a lot more inventory started coming in. So there was some validity to that. But something that I'm really seeing is production has stayed up here, which to an extent it needs to. But all of a sudden, it's finally come to the point, um, as of December of 21, production has outpaced demand for the first time in three years. So um, while it sounds like, oh, they're overbuilding, you know, um, because we saw some of that in 2018. We saw manufacturers cranking out way too many trailers for not enough buyers. We're finally at a point where dealership lots have inventory again. And we're kind of this year, I think, going to be what I'm going to call a Swiss cheese year, where for the most part, yeah, I've, I've got trailers on the shelf. But there's holes in the lineup. Every brand has that one or two just blaze and popular models. But for the most part, customers can get back out there. They can get on the grounds, boots on the ground, eyes on trailers, and try them on like a pair of pants in a dressing room and see how they fit instead of just ordering from a catalog. There's a lot of other really good things that go in the customer's benefit toward this that I got a feeling you're going to ask me about. And if not, I'll, I'll circle back if needed. <laughs> sure. Well, isn't there too, there's a lot more nuance to it than like looking at this industry uh, of manufacturers as a whole, they are putting out X number of units. So that X number of units is going to dealerships but like as you mentioned like they were they're prioritizing right they're putting out the most popular floor plans they're oh, sure. uh, uh things like motorhomes are are harder to build as fast as a trailer uh and they have to you know get the chassis and chassis availability is an issue so even though yeah. you might now see a dealership full of rvs maybe the kind that you want is not available right yeah and um you know, you, you kind of touched on a thing there like supply shortages um, or shortfalls as technically were, but shortage. A lot of that is going away. Um, it's been a two steps forward, one step back healing process, and we're making progress over time. And the fact that I'm seeing complete units come in, things like ladders that we're missing, I'm seeing ladders on entry level units again where they're available um, from the brands that offer them. Um, and that's a good sign to me because if they're offering it all the way at the entry level product, that means they've been able to fulfill it through their entire lineup because the entry level product is the one that gets in first, basically. So that's a good sign for people that they're getting complete product built um, in the intended way. The chassis thing for motorhomes, though, motorhomes are still the single hardest thing for man or for dealers to get because uh, chassis supplies just are not there yet. Again, it's slowly coming around, but not nearly at the rate anybody would like it. Dealers now, dealers have such a unique perspective on on this because dealers are the one that that have to repair these units, right? So they're they're seeing um, what happens when uh, an RV gets sold. Well, when it comes to their lot first, they're they're looking over sure. it and 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 nip and tucking the things that happen in transit and finishing off the rv for the for the consumer they're the final chain in the in manufacturing uh once that consumer has that rv that dealership is generally responsible for making warranty repairs so it, it dealers are as excited as anybody when the quality is good 
So what is, what has been yours and ambitious uh, view of where quality was, is, and and where it's going? Yeah, no, I absolutely don't mind having a candid talk about that. That's a big conversation. Again, that's kind of part of my role is that I've really appreciated the fact that, you know, originally as Halitz and now even still as Vicious, it's been made clear from the top, um, you know, be as clear and transparent as possible. And um, this is this is a conversation that's uncomfortable to have sometimes. Um, the fact is, have I seen some things come out of manufacturers that just shouldn't have been released? Yes, I absolutely have. And we do our best to take care of that. Is that the case completely across the board? No. And a good example of that is if you look at um, the uh, the DSI award winners from you know the last year. So uh, for those who aren't aware, and you can just look up you know RV DSI awards and and see who ranked where. But basically, this is um, it's one of those things that can't be fake. It has to be earned because it's actual dealer reports, it's actual consumer reports uh, aggregating these scores. And it all boils down to if your total score is 4.5 higher, then you win one of these really good awards because that's a that's a pretty solid ranking. That's saying that you're doing a really good job most of the time. If it's below that, you don't. It doesn't mean you're building a bad product if you're below that, but it's saying that these are some of the people who are really superior. Um, and there's some brands there that we carry, some brands there that we don't. Um, you know, I've never said we only carry the good things and you should only buy the things that we carry. There's some very good things out there that we don't have. And there's some things that I've seen that come in and I go, this is unlike these guys. They need help or what's going on. Um, and there's there's factors to it. Could it be overproduction? Could it be something like that? Sure. One of the other things that's happened um, that people don't have visibility of, like I remember when the Forest River Vibe plant years ago went down. People heard the Forest River plant burned down. No, there's more than one plant at Forest River. That was only 50, number 54 of like 190 or something like that. People don't have visibility for the infrastructure of this. And I think until you've toured through Michigan area and you've got to see that stuff, you know, the fictitious land between Michigan and Indiana, you don't realize how much infrastructure actually is out there. So with this big spike in demand, some factories... Uh, built new facilities. Well, what kind of happens is sometimes they take the, the workers from factory A, split them, and put half in factory B, but then they have to backfill with new staff who aren't as trained, aren't as experienced, and may not be as good as the people who have been doing it for 15 years. And for about a year or so, that reflects in the product. I'm not knocking them. I'm just sharing Freedom Express, which is a brand that I, I is really near and dear to my heart. They did that. They expanded their production about five or six years ago. And there was one season where I'm like, huh, this is a little funny. They're, I'm seeing stuff out of these guys I hadn't. And ever since then, they've been better and better. Um, so sometimes the growth can be its own enemy. You can, you can become your own monster. But there are brands out there that are known for having good factory support, that are known for putting out better product from the start. And I've also said that this is absolutely the most important time to shop your dealership as much as you shop your product. I'm not trying to toot our own horn too much, but if you look at the market now versus three years ago, the market is still way, way up. But if you look at the market now versus last year, everyone's having a panic attack because the market has declined. Sure, compared to last year, it's declined a little bit, but compared to the history of the business, things are still way, way up and super, super positive. 
So even though if you think about it, the pie has shrunken a little bit, the Bish's wedge has gotten a little bit bigger and our market share has grown because I think people are shopping the dealership as much as they're shopping the product right now. And I'll never say that we're perfect or without sin, but one of the things that I really appreciate seeing a before and after is you know, my family's place versus now is there is we we were a service focused dealership as Haywood RV. Bish's is a whole nother level of that. And just the, the uh, they've doubled the staffing in the service department of this one facility. Um, the three facilities that they acquired in Michigan, same thing. They doubled the service staff in those facilities. Um, the sales staffs stayed the same. So they are hugely all about taking care of people. And I think that that's a lot of what people are shopping for, looking for right now. One of the things that's always been interesting to me about this is that just before the pandemic, I, I felt, you know, I, I was... I guess covering this industry for like three years at that point, but I felt like there was a big focus then on improving quality um, and improving warranty service. Um, and you were seeing lots of manufacturers talking about building new PDI facilities and uh, about their, what their warranty is and isn't good for. There was a lot of, talk about that because I think con consumers were focused on that. Consumers sure. were interested in, um, well, now that we're all talking to each other on the internet and everybody knows, you know, X unit has been having some problems, even if that's not really an accurate picture of anything because it's just a Facebook group. I, I feel like there, there were uh, at least some brands that were, that were really going to make a run for like, we're the quality king. Um, and then the pandemic hit and it made that hard for everybody. And I, so I'm wondering, uh, you know, maybe that there's going to be a little bit of a return to that, uh, but also just, uh, it, it has to be easier on them as they're able to start, you know, relaxing a little bit. Right. So something else people don't really have a good visualization for. And I think maybe you've seen enough of it that you understand what I'm about to say, but this is the smallest big industry you will ever meet that there's you you think of rv and you think of all these companies and all these dealerships and at the end of the day the real decision makers for any given brand it, you can count them on one hand there's very few people making very big influential decisions so what you really see reflected um from any given brand in any given year is like what is the climate of their current leadership and how driven are those very small number of people. And that's where I really, uh, again, I go back to that BSI uh, Quality Award winners list because in the most challenging years I've ever seen, and I, from what, I, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years now. I've been in it for a minute. Um, people have been in this industry that I know for 40 plus years around me. The most challenging period that I've seen or they've ever seen, according to them, um, you have seen some brands truly rise to the occasion. And you've seen some brands maintain a previously very sterling rep uh, reputation. And you've seen some kind of disappear off that high marks list um, where maybe they just mismanaged or were unable to manage the challenges of the time. Um, like, uh, you know, Grand Design for the last several years has just gold level DSI quality award on like every one of their brands. Um, recently here, Alliance has come up and done that. Uh, Rockwood Flagstaff 
has earned their way up the chain. Cougar Montana, in the hardest period, suddenly started earning their highest marks ever. So what, what I see there is that's a reflection of the leadership within specific brands. And it's hard to see that as a consumer because by the time the whole industry boils down to the consumer level, all of that visualization is gone. They just see a trailer there and they're talking to salesperson X, Y, or Z in front of them. And it's kind of funny how every single place you go, every trailer you look at, they always tell you theirs is the best, you know, and um, there's some that are just doing it better and consistently doing it better. And there's some that do a good job here and there, and then they slip here and there. And then there's some that really probably could use some work, you know, and I, I, I think the good brands will be the good brands and everything below that. It's the dealership that you're working with. that's going to really help determine your satisfaction level with that purchase, you know? Yeah. Well, and here's a good, t- I, here's a tip. If you're like, well, how do I know which one's which go to the back side of the store? And what I mean by that is if you walk into the sales department, these are people who are trained to know what to say to you. And there's nothing wrong with that, but go to the service department. These are people who are trained to assist you and take care of you. They are not typically people specifically trained to know what to say and what not to say and how to carefully walk lines. You can typically get a very real candid, sometimes brutally candid understanding of a trailer or a brand or something like that from a service department person. So there's a little camp and hack from Uncle Josh. Nice. Let's talk about um, when we're talking about buying, let's talk about pricing a little bit, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Can't talk about one without the other, right? <laughs> pricing has, uh, it, it's become a problem for a lot of people. It's increased, it's increased a lot. Dramatically. Let's just say it, it's increased a whole lot. Are there deals to be had now that there's more inventory on lots? Is it getting a little better? Yes. No, absolutely. Now, that is one of these things I am noticing varying a little bit dealership to dealership. And I can kind of see that from my new wider angle perspective reflected in some market share stats that I could see before. But there are still some places out there who are like, nope, we're going to sell this thing and make the moon and the stars on it. And I'm going to retire by next year at this rate. Um, And then there are some places who are going, you know what? That's not happening they're building more and we're able to get more in stock now we're able to have more on hand and we're going to uh start being able to offer some better discounts off of msrp from what you've been seeing um and i and i think again as we go through the year you're going to see the aggressive dealerships really be the the ones that succeed overall because you can get the same trailer you know at 80 90 places across the nation um and you can get pretty decent service at more than one place across the nation for sure. So, uh, you know, your experience with your team and your uh, your price tag are going to suddenly become some major influential factors again that weren't as important the last couple of years, as sad as that makes me to say. Um, the used market is one that I think is going to be very interesting to watch um, because it doesn't matter how old something is. The value of a used RV is always determined by the value of a new RV. The question is always, okay, if I have a new one and it costs this much on invoice, how much below that can I sell the used one for to still make it attractive? Well, that's relative and the one follows the other. So the moment there's anything that's going to drop the new RV market, the used RV market immediately follows. If that happens this year, when it happens, I don't know. But there have been a lot of people kind of 
in the weeds waiting for that thinking for two years it was going to happen but again things kind of drug out longer than a lot of us expected but i think with more inventory in stock um more things that people can put their hands on uh less waiting for catalog orders and, and new activities reopen well not new activities previous activities reopening to the consumer public that just weren't available like sports you know you couldn't just go see sports for a while people who jumped into the rv market may slide out of the market but i think there's just as many people waiting to fill their slot waiting for those opportunities right now so i'm really curious to see what happens with the used rv market over this next calendar year what about the big backlog that the manufacturers have um for obviously for both orders from dealerships but for individual consumers themselves you see me doing this with my fingers the air quote you know the backlogs these are not a true representation of what people have on order this is a it's really funny it's a metric that initially presidents and ceos of companies originally came forward and kind of twiddling their thumbs hat in their hands said you know i'm i'm so sorry we have a 12 to 18 month backlog and we're doing our best to work through it and then a little while later it became look at this two-year backlog that we have and hey uh you know stock market shareholders you've got two years of income we have an awesome company what you're finding out right now is that these insane backlogs were false hollow orders and, and here's what would happen um whether it was single dealership dealership groups anybody they would over order and and flood the backlogs as much as they could hoping to be the dealer for whom inventory was built. Well, the problem is there. this happened for so long and so wildly and so rampantly that um, dealerships really lost sight of exactly what do we have on order versus what are they even building? So what's happening suddenly here, um, I saw this one major group like canceled $2 billion worth of inventory to clear their log just to re-implement actual orders that they wanted and the end result was they didn't have two billion dollars of units on order i I saw another report today and i'm not knocking about i saw winnebago same thing we we've got a two-year backlog no you don't you know you're going to find I'm, i'm sure they probably still have a very big backlog i don't doubt that but we're going to find out later this year how many units they really have on order um because right now a dealership could order 10 of a popular model they're going to be lucky to get three you know so once they actually get two or three in stock where they don't need 10 in the backlog they're going to say scratch those off my list real quick because i've got some in stock i'll reorder two or three when i need more and we're going to to have a better truer understanding of lead times and and all kinds of things and when that happens i think you'll also see this pricing incline plateau i don't think we're going to see a new rv pricing decline i've never seen that in my career i think if we're lucky we're going to see some pricing flatline for a period and i hope that comes to pass but i've been hoping that for a year and a half and i've been wrong about that too how does msrp that like this this price creep that has happened with msrp so obviously we're talking about deals being possible now and but that's a percentage off of msrp is usually how that's that's judged yeah. You're, you still might be paying more than you paid two years ago for the same unit you probably are paying much more um even though you're you might be getting a 30 percent off of msrp but as the manufacturers have increased price 
prices. So you're you're as a dealership chain, you're getting increases in the invoice price and increases in the MSRP, and you can't you know share what that that distance is. But like, how much of that price increase has been manufacturers dealing with the fact that everything costs more, which is obviously thing. Everything costs more. And how much of it is them saying, well, wait a minute, dealers are selling these things for full MSRP and we're not getting as much of a, a, a benefit as you know, we're still giving them the same invoice price that they had before. We're not reaping the benefits of this growth in the industry. We're going to increase the price so that the, you know, the dealerships can still sell them at MSRP, but we're getting a little bit more money. Yeah, no, there's, I think a lot of times people want to, we want simplicity. We crave it because it's easy and it feels right. But this is definitely a case of there is A and B. There are multiple factors. I also think it's really important. We get a little bit of tunnel vision since we live in the RV industry. It's not just the RV industry. It's furniture. It's marine. It's housing. It's blenders. You know, um, there's so many international factors that have affected this. Now, um, I kind of started getting a little uh, sour taste in my mouth about 18 months ago. Um, you know, when, okay, so the cost of aluminum went up, the cost of lumber went up. Oh, okay. Steel went up. Okay. I can understand how that directly affects the cost of things. The cost of fuel affects the cost of literally every single thing. But when raw material costs kind of flatlined and even went down, and the build cost and uh, or you know invoice cost to a dealer continued to climb. That's when I started going, okay, you know this is. I guess you know you could say the savvy person taking advantage of supply and demand factors. You could even argue intelligently. You know, um, if if you're making a product and it's exceptionally popular. You take advantage of the market conditions while you can, and then you weather the storm when those conditions aren't there. So I don't, I don't fault anyone for that. It does make my daily life less fun, certainly. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the same people who who criticize, you know, maybe the pricing of something or the situation reversed, and they were saying, "Hey, I have this trailer that is just unbelievably popular, and I have a limited window where I can really capitalize on this." I'm pretty sure most of them would do something similar too, if we're being fair. And I think that's that's my goal is just always to be fair with things. There is certainly uh, a measure of material costs went up. Or we didn't have enough ladders. So if you want to be the guy with the ladder, you're going to have to pay me more for it or something like that. You know, that's definitely a factor. There's certainly a measure of a manufacturer saying dealers are, are, are selling these things for, like you said, MSRP. I would like a bigger cut of that. So, hey, my invoice just went up a little bit. Um, yes, there's a measure of that, too. There's a measure of a little bit of all of it. Again, I think by this fall, we are going to see a lot of that tapered down. We're going to see a little more normalization in the market, and we are going to see some better conditions shift in the favor of the RV buyer, which frankly, I'm even speaking as a dealership representative, I'm not disappointed to see. Um, I, I like when those conditions are favorable to a customer because I can always get another trailer. They do make more, you know? And I, I like to see a lot of people through here. And I think we'll be in a good position to, to see that facilitated. If somebody is ordering today, we talked about this last time you were on the show, uh, how long it would take for them to get a new unit. Uh, has that improved? 
It has. It's still hyper variable depending on which brand you're looking at. There are certain brands, Rapid Flagstaff, for instance, they have always been hugely high in demand, even in, say, the 2017-18, before all the pandemic stuff. Orders from them always took twice as long as everyone else, just because they always do carry a big backlog. But where I'm starting to see manufacturers say things like it might be six to nine to 12 months or whatever, depending on what you're looking at. And some specialty products certainly could take longer. And again, motorhomes, chassis supplies, that has been a very painful, slow process for fulfillment. But those same brands are at least giving me these crazy long-term timeframes now, whereas previously they were going, I don't know. All I know is that if you don't order it, you're never going to get it, but I don't know when you're going to get it. Like they just weren't even willing to give us a time frame. And there were some brands who were saying six to eight months are now saying three to four, which is almost a normal clip. Um, so again, there is a lot of normalization and by having more units on the ground, manufacturers can say, okay, so we've actually been able to get popular unit XYZ on the ground. So we can start to build more of our B tier popularity products and get some more of those out there, which then allows for more production time on the A tier popularity products. So we are, again, we're seeing it slowly get there, but it, it takes time to even out. This is an industry that is not well suited to fast, violent shifts, either up or down in terms of demand. It's an industry that can handle consistent demand better. And we're, we're getting back to a consistency wave, as it were. Sounds to me like the overall lesson from everything related to what's been going on in the last few years and where we are now still is is nuance. It, you, you, yeah. whatever your priority is, if that's getting a unit now uh, that has a, a basic floor plan that you're not, you don't care too much about, or if you want a specific uh, quality level or you want a specific price, if you shop around different manufacturers and different dealers are all handling everything in different ways. And that, you know, maybe you might find what you need by spending the time to shop around a bit. Yeah, uh, no, it's, the thing is, that's not fun as a consumer. And that actually is that that almost opens up the conversation of something I talked about um, in my last update video. Um, for lack of a better phrase, the Carvana method for RV sales. I don't know how you feel about it. I can tell you it's coming. I can tell you personally, it scares the life out of me because um, you made it, you know, you made an interesting remark that dealerships are almost like the final station in a manufacturer's production line at times that almost reminds me you ever watched that show the food that made america mm -hmm. okay so like when take like coca-cola pepsi all these guys they only made the syrup and they yeah. sent it to these like a bar for soda pop or whatever you want to call it and it was fulfilled by a soda drink um but their final quality control measures were determined by say a 16 year old kid and did he put the correct amount of liquid in with the correct amount of syrup i feel like that's almost a good example of at times where the rv industry can be where the manufacturer ships us a bag of syrup and then we balance it a little bit as dealerships sometimes whereas the auto industry i think they are more at the stage of they actually have the pre-bottled soda it's a far more consistent product and I just don't know that the RV industry's infrastructure is there currently to 
really effectively support that full true online method. Not like I looked at it at a dealership and then I went home and filled out the credit app. I mean, you just look at pictures and order it and it shows up in your driveway. You never physically touch it till it shows up. It is coming though. I think when it first happens, it's going to be very awkward and rough. I do believe though, it's not going away and it will get better with time, but there's going to be an uncomfortable launch adjustment growth period there. But I, it's coming. It's going to happen. Well, as as you said before, I, it's it really hasn't ever been more important to shop your dealer, and a big part of that is service. It, a lot of dealers, I, obviously, it's hard to get service for people right now, and a lot of dealers are focusing on the people that bought from them. And if you yeah. don't buy from a dealer who you can trust to service your unit, you may have a hard time getting into one that can, and I, that. That whole Carvana method is going to make that um, make that artificially more difficult. Yeah, but it's uh, think of the different changes and advances that we've seen in this industry in just the last ten years. You know, um, the industry is almost unrecognizable now. The marketplace is almost unrecognizable now from where it was ten years ago and ten years before that. I think that's just the nature of things. I think that things just continue to evolve and. With growth comes discomfort. You have growing pains and then you grow into your shoes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, who knows, but maybe it'll do something that it's doing to the auto industry where it, and electric vehicles have a big component to this or a big part of this is that there are going to be a lot fewer chassis on automobiles, right? They're all being built on the same electric vehicle platform. And, uh, there's less variation in the vehicles. Those are great because they they don't need as much service and all that. But I, I wonder if if sort of a more nationwide online approach to buying RVs might start reducing the number of models and floor plans out there, and that maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. No, I see that both ways. And in a sense, we almost got a preview of the more focused limited catalog the last two years. Um, A lot of manufacturers, uh, those, a lot of manufacturers reduced their catalog and you saw a lot of temporary limited availability on websites and stuff like that. Or you saw uh, some things were just listed as, you know, like dealer stock only or not in production currently or something like that. And there's some manufacturers that still tried to build everything. Um, and, uh, they, they struggled to, you know, you you can keep a small number of people a lot happier, or you can keep a large number of people a little happy and, um, which way you go with it. I don't know. Uh, I think time will really tell which way is going to be the more beneficial thing there. Um, I think eventually what happens with any business though, eventually every business ends up almost recreating what happened to the history of McDonald's where they started off, they made burgers, fries and shakes, and they were profitable at that. So they really rock and rolled at that and they got established and then they expanded and they expanded and they expanded. And you see that happen, I think, in every total manufacturer. And then eventually you see the McDonald's menu shrink and focus in on the stuff that's really actually proving profitable and, and desirable. And then they expand and they expand and they expand. And there's it's a constant thing. I don't think you'll ever see any manufacturer. We're only ever going to make seven models. These are the only seven models we're ever going to make. 
you're always going to see them when, when they can, they're going to stretch and get every little extra thing they can. And then they're going to shrink back down when they can't anymore. I, I can't imagine how that won't continue to be the case. I think that's just the nature of business, really. I'm still mad. I can't get a grilled chicken sandwich from McDonald's anymore. Josh Witters, you are such a treasure for being somebody that is uh, a big part of the RVing industry, sharing really in-depth information with consumers, which I think really gives consumers an advantage, but it, it's, it also you know makes your dealerships look good and makes people want to shop there. And that's awesome. And I think it's so important right now to support independent and family-owned and mid-sized dealership chains because some of the big dealership chains really have a lot of control over this industry and we need to throw our support as much as possible to the smaller groups who are doing the customers right in order to in order to keep things rolling how we want them to go so thank you so much for for coming on the show and thanks so much for all you do and sharing all the detailed information that you do with everybody on your fantastic youtube channel well you know same back at you guys you're i you and i both know you tend to either be a content creator or consumer and it's really hard to be both because of the time that it takes and uh your channel truly is one that is one of the few that i will make the time to regularly tune into so i appreciate what you guys do and um how you just put real facts out there and um just please keep doing what you're doing as well we will thanks a lot josh if you've been thinking about picking up a solo stove, now is the perfect time. During the off-season, Solo Stove continues to offer discounts on their popular low-smoke fire pits, including our favorite, the Bonfire. RV Miles listeners can save even more money by heading over to rvmiles.com slash solo stove and using the link and promo code. Take advantage of all the discounts to be had before camping season starts and get your solo stove today. RVMiles.com slash solo stove and then click the link and use the promo code to save even more. All right, we are back. And again, a very, very big thanks to Josh for joining us. Do you know what I want Josh to do sometime? Like, I really want him to start like a between two ferns type segment. Like, I just, I just feel like he would be so good doing something like yeah. that. Like yeah. that's so Josh, you know, if you ever uh, need some help developing that, just give this lady a call right here. Um, okay. So it is now, <laughs> it is now time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank is my left ankle this week. This, this I have. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, so, I shouldn't laugh. Last week's news video. I was recording last week's news video from uh, from the campground we were at in Madison, and what I didn't realize until the end of the video, I started you know reaching down to my ankle and feeling some itching, and I didn't realize until I was done that it was absolutely covered in ants. My whole pant leg. They were all up in my leg, and I have so many ant bites. You look like um, you have chicken pox on from, your ankle. From standing on an anthill recording a video. And it it got swollen. They were blistering. It was gross. Yeah. And uh, it started to, started to heal a little bit, stopped itching eventually. took many days for it to stop itching. And then we get here, and it was a very, very windy day when we traveled here. And I'm uh, 
reaching into the truck to get something and I'm sort of like half sitting on the front seat and half having my uh, left ankle out the door. Yes. And the wind slammed the door on same said ankle. <sighs> so now my left ankle is a little bruised, right? But it's it, it hurt really bad for a while. But it was okay because then I went and did a walk run the next morning and I was fine. Yes. So we had to put, I think, like a, a riced cauliflower bag or something <laughs> so on it. <laughs> so on the last night I was walking and I, I, I was actually coming down the stairs mm-hmm. from the loft in the kids' bedroom. And I rolled it on their stairs. <laughs> you know what? Can we talk about stairs for just a second? Stairs either in your home or in your RV or whatever. Why are they not wide enough? You have to take stairs sideways. I often take stairs sideways because... Now, is that because it's you? Probably. <laughs> and you've learned so in a- your life. As somebody who has some <laughs> training in set design... <laughs> There are there's actually a whole lot of science that goes behind the tread depth of a stair. Yeah. And in you know, if if the stair's open, there's room for your foot to go underneath. And if not, there's you know, there's not. Right, right. right. So usually for me it's coming down. I often have my I have big feet, so I, I the often the you're you're walking on the ball of your foot, right? Yeah. So often it's hard to get the ball of your foot on that very front edge of the stair. So often I'm sidestepping downstairs. Well, I also I think... run, run up and downstairs often too. Yes, and I think longtime <laughs> listeners remember the great um, stair accident of 2020 at my parents' house when you slid down the stairs, yes. uh, injured your shoulder, yes. and then you roll your ankle last night. Because stairs should not be carpeted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they should also just be just a little bit wider to it, accommodate those. Because their stairs feet. are carpeted, rounded over on the front, and uh-huh. short. Yes. And it's it's also uh, also not just the depth of the tread. It's the ratio of the depth of the tread to the height yes. of the stair itself. But even the stairs just going up into our living room here in the Sabre are... So short that, I mean, even for me, and I mean, I have a bigger foot myself, it's still like I never feel like I have all enough foot on. And this is why if you go, you're, you're walking upstairs in a very public place, like a, a stairwell, um, in a big building, Mm -hmm. it's often way better than any home. Because you just have a whole lot more stair yeah. to work And I mean, with. and that's why the stairs that are here, though, for the outside on the Sabre are so much better than the ones we had on the oh, travel trailer. Oh, because yeah. Because oh. you had... Oh, the, the solid came, step entry is amazing. You came out a couple times out of the Pioneer and you almost, like, bit it. Oh, especially if it was wet. I, I, I slipped on those many times. Oh, you gave me I'm a, a little few hearts. I'm a little bit of <laughs> All right. What is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, my fresh tank this week is the Togo RV app. You know, we've Togo has been a sponsor of our, our news videos for a long time. And um, I opened it up the other day and was looking for overnight RV parking. It's so convenient to just click on the button and, and see what overnight yeah. RV parking is nearby because we were headed to that Walmart. But um, what I didn't realize, because I'd never clicked on this button before, they have a Find RV Service button. It's actually the first button in the in the app. And um, I, I haven't had the need to click on it, but I did just for, you know, fun. And uh, I, what I found was that they, they show the, the different repair facilities nearby where you are. But what I didn't realize they did, which is very cool, is like, 
it says right at the top, 10 mobile technicians available in your immediate area. And you click on that and it gives you a list of their names and phone numbers. And you can contact a mobile technician right then and there. How often, you know, are people in a campground, they need to find a mobile RV tech. What do they do? They go ask the campground if they know anybody. They go search on the internet, which isn't often fruitful because a lot of these people, they don't have websites and all that sort of stuff. They're it's just techs. somebody going around in a truck and uh, and they've got too much work to have to have to have a website. So it's uh, uh, such a great little feature. There are so many great little features in the Togo RV app. You really ought to check it out. It is a free app. A lot of people get it because of the turn-by-turn -turn RV directions. I'll be totally honest. That's not our biggest reason for recommending it. We All GPS has problems. They Most of them get a lot of their same data from the same, same places. And GPS in general is our big problem bugaboo recently. Yeah, we've talked a lot about it, uh, but it's one of the ones we use to kind of just, when we do a scan, to make sure that Garmin or yeah. Apple or whoever isn't sending us down a road that's a dead end. It It's an, obviously, mapping roads isn't an exact science. <laughs> no. But w the main reason we recommend it are really to, like, track your RV. Uh, you can put your RV in and it, it will show you anytime there's a recall alert for your RV. You can uh, track when you're supposed to do maintenance and it gives you sort of a basic set of maintenance timelines. And you can do use checklists that are pre-written or make your own checklist. So like when you're doing your, uh, your hookup to your truck, you can run down the checklist to make sure you did everything. It's so great for that stuff. Discounts, tires, lithium batteries, all sorts of stuff. There's the overnight RV parking database, Campanium premium membership. So the the That's Togo That's all in the the page. Yeah, so the the app is free uh, and it has a lot of functionality without paying mm -hmm. for anything. But then you can get the Road Pass Pro membership that's forty nine ninety nine, and we have a discount code for that. RV Miles ten X gets you ten dollars off. Uh, but even without being a Road Pass member, it's such a great app, and you should you should check it out. That's my fresh tank. What's in your black tank this week? So my black tank is uh, campgrounds that offer laundry, large campgrounds that have laundry, but do not adequately have enough laundry for the campground itself. So I'm going to throw Reagan's under the bus here a little bit for a second. There were a lot of things to like about this campground, but this is a very, very big campground. I don't know off the top of my head how many rigs, but I can tell you that at this event that we were at, there were 82 rigs registered for this rally. And this campground, I think, was only about two-thirds full. It was... Yeah, it, and a lot of rigs were there that weren't for the rally. Right. So... It's going to be well over a hundred. I think it's a. I think it's a two hundred plus site yeah. campground. They had seven washing machines for this entire campground. They were all. The majority of them were outside, so they weren't the cleanest. And how many of those seven were working? Well, <laughs> so uh, seven yes. might be adequate if they're all working, but yes. And I don't even think seven is adequate especially when you are a campground that sells a lot of monthly and so you have people and you you bill yourself as a family campground so now you're catering you might have 200 sites but that's probably going to be four six seven eight hundred people if it's completely full right so 
By the end of the monthly stay, it was becoming very, very clear that all of the people there were starting to get very, very frustrated and snippy with each other um, over the laundry situation because the nearest laundromat from this campground was a 40-minute drive. So you were a little bit, that's the other thing too, when you are pretty much dependent, um, if you need to do laundry on the road on that campground and you as the campground know that there is not laundry within a decent drive, really put something together that people can use and keep it clean. This this was a tough month for us. I actually went yesterday and did laundry and I probably did 20 loads and was at the laundromat for five hours because the situation had just gotten so stressful trying to do laundry there because people, I mean, I had a woman aggressively snap at me over the fact that I was getting ready to move my laundry from a washer to a dryer and I had prepped that dryer and she wanted it and got really, really angry at me. And I looked at her and I said, you know, ma'am, the one right next to it is empty. And she was just so ready to attack and fight for that dryer that she didn't even assess the situation and recognize that right next to me was an empty one. Because, you know, I have a philosophy too, that if there's only three washers and three dryers, I might have six loads of laundry, but I'm only going to take one washer. And I will take the time to just use that one washer to allow others at the campground to also be able to do. Because if I go and take all the washers and I take all the dryers, that becomes a situation for others where they get really frustrated if you don't show up right when that washer or that dryer is done. You should do that anyway, but especially if you take everything. So I try to just take one washer, one dryer in situations like that. She was angry and then didn't even walk back. Like there was no real apology. There was no, I mean, she was, it was very aggressive. And I came back to you and I said, that's it. I'm done doing laundry here. Like, I'm not going to put up with the stress of this. There's a difference, too, between like a $40 a night campground with very limited services, not having laundry. But when you're talking about a $90 a night resort. And that's how much Reagan's is, is it's $90. And they do have things like a water park that is sporadically open, depending upon whether or not someone shows up to lifeguard it. (laughs) Um, what hours who knows (laughs) right there's you know they have a smaller pool and they have a a great field for playing in and some gaga ball and you know they they have atv and a a catch and release pond and things like that it's uh the campground itself could use a little tlc for sure Um, but they have a lot going for it if they just could put a little bit of time and effort into kind of sprucing it up i think that they really could match the 90 dollars a month that they ask for i would like to flip the coin on this a a little bit too and add to my black tank reagan's was dealing in the uh in the time we were there with lots of awful campers oh my goodness i the number of people that were breaking things there on purpose you know, uh, people letting their kids just do whatever. I mean, cutting the the tether ball open with a knife, or so there was a sign. I went by the pool table one day, and there's a sign on the pool table that was like, "Sorry, pool table is unavailable." 
somebody stole all the balls, including the cue ball. Yeah. And there there would constantly be signs in the in in the office that were like Yeah, there was like five th- empty boxes of that little like slime yeah. you could buy and it was sitting on there and it said um who took these because the boxes were empty yeah, people stealing from, these, these stealing. from the store people flooding the bathrooms on purpose right oh La- my gosh taking people's laundry out and i mean that was another reason why i stopped doing laundry because there you know people someone was going around taking people's laundry out of the dryer and just like throwing it on top of the dryer and i just remember you know to to also uh, show grace to Reagans because I've, I've been a little harsh on them as we've been talking. Those kinds of things, the things, these awful abuses of their property by campers there would be cause for me to say, I am not putting money into repairing and sprucing up this place because all of you are already destroying what we have. Yeah. Why if I put all this money into improving all of these things just to turn around and have campers come and just destroy it, yeah. you know, it got to the point where, um, they, they didn't put the tether, but they didn't replace the tether ball. I mean, after like the fifth or sixth time it had been destroyed and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for, um, all the other kids who may have enjoyed it or the other families. Your eyes just get really open to some of that stuff when you do a monthly stay yeah. and, at some point for us, it's always like, okay, we are definitely ready to move on. You yeah. Know, we... But you also said, you know, as much as we talk about wanting to own a campground and develop a campground and <laughs> all that, you even said. Any thought I had of running a campground went away. Yeah. He was like, nope, <laughs> nope. I mean, and I know that that's not the way it is across. And I also want to make it very clear that this does not lay at the feet of kids. Like, even if it was, you know, kids that were doing it, I do not want to sit here and be like, family campgrounds are a problem. That is not true. No. So, you know, every situation is unique in its own situation. It does not reflect an entire community. And I think that that's really, really important. Nor does one campground reflect an entire community of campgrounds. You know, everything needs to be taken um, at face value. I think part of the issue is the... um, it was understaffed, and you know oh, yeah. I, I don't want to blame them for that. Everybody's understaffed right now, yeah. Um, and and you know having people just a presence of people walking around and and seeing them sometimes eliminates a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know? So to bring it all back to the main point is that um, this was a tough laundry situation and it's made me appreciate laundromats yeah. a little bit more. It also made me kind of regret that we turned the closet into a closet and didn't have an actual washer dryer on site with us. <laughs> All right. What is in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank this week, actually to again, continue to talk about campgrounds is um, the joy that comes from being back in a county state or federal park after doing a month at the private campground, which was really great to sit down and not move for a little bit. It got a few projects done, just able to chill. That was wonderful. But boy, is it nice to be back where we feel most at home. Yes. And I'm thoroughly enjoying having the ocean here, having the beach, having this spot. You know, it's only electric, but I don't care. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't care at all. I love it. We're here for 10 days. It's just, it's just wonderful. I this feels like home. When people talk about the problem in, in booking campsites right now out there, if you can book electric only, you know, if you can open yourself up to not using sewer or and water, just only what you have on board, it really does often open a heck of a lot up. Well, and for us, for three years, we did not camp in private campgrounds hardly ever because yeah. we had Wanderbus. And, you know, that um, environment is changing a little bit. But when we first got on the road, schoolies were not welcome. I don't think, I think it's getting worse, actually. I don't think it's getting better for, for bus conversions, for bus conversions, for tiny homes. And because well, we saw a tiny home and two bus conversions at the at Reagan. Sure, they allowed it there. Yeah. Um, but I I think the, the the problem that a lot of people are facing right now, not just with uh, buses and tiny homes, is that campgrounds um, are so busy right now that they can be a little bit more strict with rules like that, um, with rules like the ten year rule. Yeah. So you're you're seeing a little bit more of those coming into play right now. That's a fair point. But because of for the first three years of our life on the road, which we look upon so fondly, it was most it was all state, federal, county, city parks. Uh, this is really where I think our family feels the most comfortable and thrives. And so to be doing this now in our newest home is I it just feels so good to be here. And we've got friends here, too, which is just an added wonderful bonus. Yes, it's wonderful. And if you're hearing lots of motor noises, that's because it's it's change over time in the campground in there. Yes. And they're, you know, going and, and taking care of the sites. Every site, you know, they're cleaning out the fire pits and going in and cleaning up and all that sort of stuff. Which There's also a lot of curiosity as to why two weirdos are sitting here at a picnic table wearing headsets with a camera on them. <laughs> I think the John Deere has made its pass on us like three times. All right. We're going to go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, we are. Actually, I'm going to go get a massage first. Then we're going to go to the beach. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week. As a reminder, if you're headed over to Amazon, please take us with you. Just start at amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. And of course, we're all across social media. RV Miles on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Please come join us. We'd love to see you over there as well as at the RV Miles Facebook group. Please stay safe. Keep an eye on the weather, especially if you are in the South and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.